0: Good evening and welcome to night three of the St. Pius X Parish Lenten Mission for 2020. Uh, We're back here again for our last night with Father Sibley. Uh, Before he comes up though, I just wanna give you an update on Father Pete. Father Pete was released from quarantine today. He's fine, he's doing well. The potential exposure was no exposure at all. And so he's back at work and we're glad he's here. Thank you again for your love and support of him during that time. As I mentioned, I think he might have even gotten a little spoiled, so we're gonna have to uh, make sure that we put him back to work and and get him back in shape, liturgical shape. And so after Father Sibley's talk tonight, uh, which has been great so far, um, I'm sure he'll have another wonderful evening. uh, I would ask you to stay tuned for just a few minutes so that we can go over our plans for Palm Sunday and for Holy Week. Uh, These things will be published uh, over the weekend, but at the same time, I would like to just give you a heads up on what's going to be happening uh, between now and, of course, through Easter. So, without further ado, we very much welcome Father Sibley to his last night of our parish mission, the pastor of Our Lady of Wisdom in Lafayette.
1: So again, thank Father Brady for the opportunity to be able to do this mission this year, uh, even though it is, of course, an online mission glad that uh so many people have been tuning in hopefully you all found it spiritually impactful why don't we go ahead and begin with a prayer in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen heavenly father we thank you for this this time of mission this time of lent i hope you have thank you for inspiring us uh to grow closer to your word a deeper desire for prayer in a specific way we want to pray for all those who've been affected by the coronavirus and all those particularly who are ministering to them, healthcare professionals and the like. May I ask you to bless us, bless our nation, bless our world as we prepare to celebrate the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We ask this all through Christ our Lord, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So it's great to have everybody back. Uh, actually, so we have one person in the audience today. It's Father Jim Brady. Um, so I'm not completely speaking to no one, uh, but very, very happy to have him here. Uh, got some comments last night. Uh, Father, your hair looked pretty wild. Well, I was trying to imitate Father Schraupin's beard, and now I'm trying to make up for Father Breddy's lack of hair. Um, But I haven't got a chance to get my hair cut in a while. So hopefully, at least kind of stays in place a little bit today. Let's give a recap of what we've been talking about for the past couple of days. We've been looking at prayer and trying to get to the essence of what prayer is we talked about prayer is letting yourself be loved by God, being able to just sort of be and rest with the Lord in silent prayer. How do we learn to do this? Well, we talked about a number of ways, two of the main ones being learning to allow others to love us, uh, to be open and vulnerable to them, and then also practicing spiritual childhood a child who allows himself to be received by the father, according to the teaching of St. Thérèse of Lisieux. So today, I'm gonna to wrap things up by trying to look at what living this type of prayer, of going deeper in prayer, of living out the essence of prayer looks like in our lives, how it can really transform our lives. Not so much what it looks like in the context of actually praying, even though we'll talk about that a little bit, but instead to talk about how a real prayer life of learning to let the Lord love you, learning to let the Lord love us through others, can transform and change our lives. And I want to have recourse to an analogy that I've been using a lot. Often uh, in my own ministry, certain themes will run through discussions I'm having or times of prayer. And one of them that's been coming up a lot lately is the theme of water, specifically the ocean or the sea, a large body of water. And, And one of the main ways over the course of the past, let's say several months, I been mean, having a recourse to this analogy of, the, of water is looking at the beach and the shallows and the deep that go along with it as a way of understanding uh, Catholics' participation in their faith. So we know that, let's take you, your big body of Catholics here, that a majority of Catholics are simply Sunday Catholics. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're the individuals who show up for Mass every Sunday, most holidays of obligation. They may put a couple of dollars in the collection basket. They live generally morally upright lives, but they really don't do much else. Not really involved in the parish, not really committed to prayer life. These are the people that are on the beach. They're there sitting in their beach chair, drinking their pina colada, enjoying the sun. They are there present on the beach. But then there's some another group of people which makes up a smaller group of Catholics. Those are the people who are in the shallows. And the shallows, of course, that beautiful part of the water where you can kind of see the bottom and maybe some little fish and some little uh, sea anemones or whatever. It's there in the shallows. And I think anemones probably a little bit further out. But regardless, it's where you can go boogie boarding, you can hang out, the kids play there it's relatively safe. And these are the people who are involved in their faith by maybe going to Bible study, going on a retreat every so often. Maybe they tithe every week. They are active and involved basically by doing activities. It's great. Nothing wrong with that. We need people like that in our parish involved with the Knights of Columbus or other sort of ladies' ultra societies in different groups like that. And they're in the shallows. And what we find is people in the shallows sometimes may go from the shallows back to the beach. The people from the beach will go to the shallows and then maybe go back to the beach. There's not really a commitment from going anything deeper than that. Now, of course, it's much better than the people out of the condo. That's probably the majority of Catholics who don't even attend Sunday Mass and they're sitting around binge-watching, you know, Netflix and eating their cereal and drinking their bourbon, they're not even interested in going to the beach. That's a lot of the people who are in the non-practicing Catholics. So the people on the beach and the shallows are praying for them. But there's another level of Catholicism, and this is the one that we're talking about. These are the individuals, and it is a small group of individuals, are the ones who go out into the deep, who respond to Jesus' call to put out in the deep, and they're the ones who have a committed prayer life every single day, a half an hour to an hour, going deep contemplative prayer, many of them making a yearly retreat. A lot of them have a spiritual director and actively trying to grow in their spiritual lives, not just activities, but really going deep, interior encountering the love of the Lord, the most distinguishing characteristic besides of course frequenting confession and and the Eucharist and Eucharistic adoration. These things are also very, very important. Although you see certain levels of sacramental involvement before, there's something different. There's a real commitment. And I realize this uh, through my ministry over the student center. We get a lot of people who come. We love it. The kids come into Sunday Mass. Big, big crowds for Sunday Mass. But then there's a smaller crowd, even though it's pretty large, who are involved in Bible studies, who come in retreats. But there's a small group of students. Fortunately, it's grown bigger over the years. They're the ones in church every day doing the Holy Hour. They're the ones making a silent retreat every year. They're the ones who are going to confession. They're the ones who are discerning vocations. These are the individuals who are willing to go out into the deep. And if we really want to know prayer as allowing the Lord to love us, we have got to be prepared to put out into the deep. And what happens is, is when you go out in the deep, the deep calls upon deep. There's always a desire and a pull to go deeper in our prayer life, to know the Lord's love. But a lot of people don't like to do it because it takes a big commitment. You're going to have to swim pretty hard to get out there. And when you're out there, there's a lot of danger. There's sharks. are big, you know, Portuguese man of wars. There are all kinds of dangers, weird fishes. It's really easy to drown. You can lose your bearings when you can't see a land. It's very, very scary. And so people don't like to do it. They're happy in the shallows. They're happy on the beach. These are the individuals who are good Catholics, but they're happy just saying their prayers. They're happy being good, but they're not ready to go out into the deep and so my challenge is for everyone listening to say, I want to go into the deep I want to live and allowing the Lord to love me in prayer and outside of prayer So what I want to do today is use this water analogy of putting out into the deep of the deep calling upon deep to describe what life is like living in allowing ourselves to be loved by God, of really having a committed prayer life where we learn to just be with the Lord. And so the first thing that I've got to say in regards to that is connected to what I just said earlier. It's scary, but as Saint John Paul II said over and over, be not afraid. You cannot be afraid. If the Lord is calling you to go to the deep, and we believe he calls us all to a deep, real prayer life, that we cannot be afraid. Obviously, because why would Jesus call us to something that would cause us harm or destruction? But more importantly, because of this, and it's another sort of theme that's been coming up a lot lately. In fact, I gave a retreat to married couples on this very topic. Just like the child, was going out into the water and maybe even going out beyond the shallows. The child is okay, as he knows that the father, his father is watching like a lifeguard, making sure that there are no shark fins, making sure there's no riptide. The father is there watching. and So we can be safe and we do not have to fear because we know that as Catholics going deep in prayer, that we are living in the Father's gaze. It's another way to express the Lord's love for us, not only the embrace that we experience in prayer, where the Lord holds us, where we know the Father's embrace, like the younger son knew in the prodigal son, but to realize that the Father is always looking at us and always sees us with the great look of love. A love of mercy, a look of mercy and of tenderness, of a desire to be one with us. So, you could also say that learning to allow the Lord to love you is learning to allow the Lord to look at you and to look back, that mutual gaze of contemplation. The Lord is always looking out for his children even when things seem bad, even when the waters are choppy, even when we feel like we're going to drown, just like Jesus with Peter in Matthew 14. He's there to pick us up. We've got to be able to have faith in him and know that he is watching us. He never turns his face. We may feel that he's not looking. We may not be able to see him on the horizon, but we believe that he is watching and that we are living in the Father's gaze. And it's so important, tying back to what we've talked about in the previous nights, of learning to live spiritual childhood is our core identity as beloved sons and daughters of whom the Father is proud. That when we live in the gaze of the Father, we know his eyes are upon us. We don't have to be ashamed. We can live in the light It's whenever that shame takes over, the guilt or our beating up on ourselves that we want to hide from the Father's gaze, like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. But the person who is living in the gaze of the Father knows who they are. They're not insecure. They're not wanting to hide. They live as sons and daughters. And although I'm not going to get into an explanation of all these details, the person who is doing that, I have found usually exhibits three characteristics. If you are living in the gaze of the Father and living your identity, you are going to express a complete confidence, a confidence that the Lord has got your back covered. And the person is willing to preach in confidence, to act in confidence. They don't back down. They know who they are, and they know the Father is watching out for them. They also have a great sense of safety or security they know who they are. They know they're safe. The Lord is going to protect them. They are not the opposite, as we talked about yesterday. They are not insecure. At times, there may be bouts with that, but at the core of their being, they are secure. And third, and most importantly, they are free. In particular, they find freedom in loving others and loving God and allowing themselves to be loved. There's not a hesitancy. There's not boundaries that are unnecessary. There is a true freedom that comes from living in identity as sons and daughters of God. And so that person who knows their identity, who's on that ship, who's out in the deep and the waters can get choppy and things can get very, very dark and they can be surrounded by sharks. They can maintain a sense of peace and composure because they know the Father's watching. They know that he is there and is going to provide them, is going to protect them, is going to be there to build them up, even though we may not see his eyes. If you listened to or went back and read Pope Francis's Irby and Arby address, he focused a lot on the passage from Mark's gospel when the apostles are in the boat in the Sea of Galilee and the, the storm comes up, but Jesus is sleeping. He's sleeping on the little pillow and they wake him up and he's like why are you waking me up have you no faith even though jesus is asleep he's still in control saint theresa actually wrote a letter to her sister celine sort of expounding even more deeply on this idea of christ asleep in the boat a lot of the times we're going to be going out in the deep in our prayer life and maybe experiencing dryness and darkness outside of our prayer life we may see that the whole world is falling down around us as so many people may be experiencing today lord why are you asleep where are you and as pope francis said we've got to learn to trust but the person who knows the father is looking at them knows that christ is still in control is the person who's not going to allow anxiety to ruin their lives over the course of the past several weeks i've been doing a lot of spiritual direction with students and other people and to see so many of them who really aren't anxious at all who are peaceful because they trust in the Lord but I know these individuals they are ones who know their identity who commit prayer to time to prayer every single day they know the Lord is not going to let them sink and so we need to be committed to living in the father's gaze even we're not in prayer knowing that he is always looking at us in love And he's there to protect us and secure us in our identities. And so we've got to be at peace. The Lord knows we want to do the right thing to be able to preserve that interior peace at all costs. Now as we know that we are living in the Father's gaze, if we go out into the deep, we've got to be willing to let the Spirit and the Holy Spirit guide us. We've talked a lot about the Father so far We've talked a lot about Jesus, and this is the time to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, that we believe in a one God, three persons, and that through baptism and confirmation, we are called to live a life in the Spirit. And so here, the Spirit's like that wind that pushes the sails, that fills the sails up, and gives the boat the power to navigate and make progress in the deep. And so there are going to be times in our lives where the Spirit is strong. We feel the inspiration, where the gifts are active, and we know they're big gusts of wind. But more often than not, it's not the case. As we don't really sense the power of the Spirit in our lives, but the Spirit's still acting. In very subtle and gentle ways, often interiorly in our minds and in our hearts, It's something that we call the instinct of the Holy Spirit. That when we grow in prayer and we grow in our capacity to respond to the gift of the Spirit, we're going to know how the Spirit works in our lives. Each one of us as individuals, how the Spirit speaks to us and inspires us in big ways, but more importantly, in little ways. Those little inspirations to reach out to someone, that word that we feel that we need to say, that understanding we have of somebody else's heart or mind at a specific time. But we really gain the ability to know that through prayer and communion in the Spirit. I often get asked, Father, you know, how, how do we know how the Spirit is working in our lives? Well, as much as we can use the analogy of wind or we can use the analogy of fire, the Holy Spirit is a person. And because the Holy Spirit is a person, he is going to interact with everyone differently in a unique way. So think of yourself and the way that you may act with your parents or your best friend or your boss at work. You're still the same person, but because you know those different individuals at different capacities or even just your friends who you know very well, you are going to speak to and relate to them in unique ways because they're different persons. You're not going to be the same exact person and present the same exact persona to every one of them. You're going to treat them differently because they're differently. And so the Spirit does the same with us. There's no cookie cutter approach to the way the Spirit works in our lives. Certainly there are going to be some overarching themes, but the Spirit is going to speak to us directly. But we're going to have to know how to listen, how to sense. And this comes from a life of committed prayer, of allowing the seeds that are planted in prayer to gain fruit outside of our prayer. I said earlier, St. Therese never heard the voice of God in prayer, but she knew that it was in prayer that she had the seeds that were planted, she was tuned in as it were, to be able to have the inspirations outside of prayer to minister to others, And to intercede. So if we're going to live a life in the spirit of allow the spirit to guide us in our boats going out into the deep, to guide us in the proper direction, we've got to be rooted in prayer because that's where we're going to fan into flame the gift that was given to us. And you know the truth is sometimes we're going to get it wrong. We talked a little bit about perfectionism yesterday. So many people in the spiritual life don't want to make a decision because, well, maybe I'll get it wrong, or maybe I won't fully understand what the Spirit wants, or maybe I'll go in the wrong direction and mess everything up. But the Lord knows your heart. He doesn't expect you to be perfect. In fact, you are going to probably get it wrong sometimes. That's why we're called to grow in virtue and to practice. But if the Lord knows that in our heart we're trying to do the right thing, even though we maybe misinterpret this word of knowledge, we maybe pray for someone and nothing happens, or at least seems like nothing happens, and we want to beat ourselves up and say, I disappointed the Lord. I went in the wrong direction. I didn't discern spirits properly. No, the Lord is going to guide you back on the right path. Get back in your ship. Unfurl your sails and let the Spirit guide you back in the right direction. Because the Spirit is the one who's going to be guiding. All we're doing is trying to interpret the way the Spirit is working in our lives in big ways and in small ways. Now, we're out there on the sea. We're allowing the Spirit to guide us into the deep. We've got to realize that even though at times we may feel isolated, we may feel like no one understands, or the only person who may be struggling with something or really trying to go deep in our spiritual lives, that we're never alone. Yeah, out on the sea, and again, I've never really been a sailor, but I can imagine out in the sea on a tranquil night, things can be very, very silent. We can feel the Lord is not there. We can feel that we're alone. But as I said, we know the Father is still watching And we also know that Jesus is still there in the boat, although he may be asleep. But we never are called to go out into the deep alone. Never alone. The Father's with us. Jesus is there in the boat, and the Spirit is guiding us, but also he calls us to go with others. It's the apostles that are called to put out into the deep. They're all on the boat together. We as a church, are called to go out into the deep in prayer. But so often what I've seen is the people who go from the shore into the shallows are often invited, let's say, by the priests in the pulpit or something they read in the bulletin. Hey, come on this retreat. But the people who go from the shallows into the deep almost every time are invited by one person or a couple of people. It's discipleship. It's accompaniment. Hey, yeah, the deep's really scary, but I'm going to be on the boat with you. I'm going to show you where we need to go. Or, hey, I don't even know where we need to go, but I'm with you, so you're not going to drown. If we do, we're going to go together. Is it in this prayer life, even though you are praying by yourself, there are all these other people praying with you and for you all over the world, in the church that you go to, and in the deeper spiritual communion. Even though we may not be able to go to mass at this time, we know that through our spiritual communion, we're connected to each other and to Jesus in the Eucharist, in the spirit, in the body of Christ. And so we've gotta be willing to ask for help. Because sometimes in our prayer life, we're not gonna know where to go there's darkness, there's dryness, to be able to go to someone who's a little further along on the journey, who's been out into the deep more often than we have, to get guidance. And to be able to, in our general spiritual life, whenever we're struggling, whatever temptation is happening, when there's darkness, whenever we're feeling isolated alone, to be able to reach out to someone. I've been encouraging people during the time of this quarantine, where we gotta keep social distance and a lot of people out there are lonely. To be able to reach out with a phone call, a text message, FaceTime, get a Zoom group together. I know it is not the same as being in the same room with people, but at least it's something. If you are struggling in your prayer life or you're struggling in your spiritual life or even in your emotional life, you're not alone. Do not be afraid to reach out and ask for help be vulnerable, say that you're not perfect, and allow the Lord to love you through other people. But from that, it shows that not only do we have to realize that we're alone and allowing, not alone, allowing people to minister to us, we've got to be able to go out too. Yeah, we may be in our boat there are a lot of other people in the boat too that we've got to be aware of. So when we see them sinking or having a hard time, hey, let me lend a hand. Whenever we see them sort of in the darkness to be able to help cast a light, maybe their motor is not running well and so we're going to hook up their boat to ours and drag them along or pull them along. This is the meaning of action flowing from our contemplation. We might even find some new way to sail, some new way to encourage people to come out into the deep. From our prayer, we, we, we have our inspiration to go and spread the gospel, to love others, to bring the good news to those who are around us. Some may have to go far away on mission, but most of us are going to be called to evangelize into an apostolate really near to us. But ultimately, we are there to show others the Father's love, His mercy, calling them to encounter Jesus and to go out into the deep, into a deeper prayer life. And so if you think in your own life, why are you a person who's committed to the sacraments, committed to prayer? Chances are there's someone who called you, who invited you, and who accompanied you. And the person who realized that they have been blessed are going to want to bless others. That what they've received should overflow in grace to give to others. The grace that we received in prayer to share those insights, to share that compassion with other people. And we're going to realize, too, that the gifts the Lord has given to us, the experience and prayer the Lord's given to us, he's given to us uniquely. Not everybody else has the same experience. We're all called to be holy, but every saint is going to be different the church is this one big diamond and there are countless facets on the diamond each one reflecting a different glory a different color of the lord's love and mercy each person is called to be a different facet on that diamond the risk is though that even though we know we're there to be there for others to bring others to christ to love them to show them the face and the mercy of the father Sometimes we can tend to compare. We can allow the accuser to come in, and we can become a little insecure about our spiritual lives, and we can wish we prayed like that person, or had a devotion to, lady like, to our lady like that person, or maybe love scripture like that person. Well, chances are the people that you're comparing yourself to are comparing themselves to you. Let everyone be the saint the Lord is calling them to be. We're all going to be different. We're all called to be different members in the body of Christ. We need the head. We need the heart. We need the pinky finger. We need the spleen. We need all of these different things, and we're all called to work together. And so comparing ourselves, comparing our journey to someone else's journey is never good, particularly because we think, well, look how easy that person's journey is. Why do they get to go, you know, out there their deep is the Bahamas, and you know, ours is in the middle of the Arctic Sea. Why is that? I don't know. You won't know either. But this is the mission the Lord has given to you. Go deep in prayer to be able to accept it and put out into the deep where the Lord calls you, asks you to put out into the deep. Now. That means looking at, we need to reach out to others. There are going to be difficult times. There are gonna be times on the sea where things aren't easy. Again, when we allow the Lord to love us, yes, there can be peace and consolation in prayer. Sometimes there's no feeling. Sometimes there's darkness and dryness in prayer. Sometimes we we wanna cry out to the Lord. Why are you allowing certain things in our lives? And outside of that, in our own lives, We can struggle with living a life of virtue, a life of following Christ. There can be all kinds of temptations and different difficulties. Sometimes we feel that we're lost. We're out there on the sea and we do not know where we are. That's the time of darkness and prayer where the Lord feels very, very far away from us. We don't feel anything. But the truth is just because we don't feel anything doesn't mean the father's not there loving us doesn't mean that jesus is not there we could be not feeling anything because the lord is anesthetizing us we're in prayer he's going in and changing things that we don't even realize quite often if we're living morally virtuous lives if we wish we could go deeper in prayer and we're having a difficult time meditating but still wanting to be with the lord but experiencing darkness or the feeling that the Lord is far away, it can be a purification. This is why it's important to be able to know about the ways of the spiritual life, even though there's not a complete sort of marked out progress that everybody is going to experience in the same way. But here's the thing, the Lord sets us out into the deep, but he doesn't necessarily give us a map to say, this is exactly what's gonna happen in your life. And so often that's what we want to know. We want to know every step of the way. Where's the next port we're going to stop at? Who are we going to meet? How long do we have to stay there? We want everything mapped out, but that's not the way it works. When Jesus called the apostles, he said, come follow me. He didn't say, well, this is what we're doing today, and this is what we're doing in three months. No, they just followed. And so when the Lord tells us and calls us to go out into the deep, he is not going to give Us waypoints all of the time. We have to be at peace with unknowing, sometimes navigating in the darkness when we feel that the Lord is not there. He's not looking at us in prayer and outside of prayer because our desire to know everything is really a desire to control out of our own fear and uncertainty that we might be going in the wrong direction, that we're could potentially sink we want to be able to know these little things and get these signs when the Lord is asking us to trust him in a radical way. Now, does that mean we just go blind? Not at all. What I often suggest to people is this. Whenever times are difficult, when prayer, there's the darkness and the dryness, when they're struggling in your own life, and your family life, in the church, in the world, where it feels like you're lost, like it's a dark, stormy night and your ship is, is, is being tossed around and you don't even know where you are, where's north, where's south. We all have in our lives certain fixed points, certain fixed points that never leave of experiences where we know that God has worked in our lives. And so once that ship settles down and things begin to clear and we're disoriented, the person who's on that ship can say, well, this is the North Star, this is Ursa Major, this is Orion, and to be able to have those fixed points no matter where, they may, where the person may be in relation to them and know where they are. And so we should have what I call your, your list. Mary had her Magnificat, the ways that God had worked in our lives. It could be something that happened in our childhood, a healing experience. A prayer experience that we had that we knew and we still know without a doubt that the Lord was working in our lives. I encourage you to write them down, put them on the wall so that when things do get dark, you have those points, those fixed points to say, yeah, I may be lost. I may feel that it's dark right now, but I know that the Lord is there and these points can keep me grounded as I navigate the way. But also, too, while we're there, even though the the skies may be clear, the wind's blowing, we get tired. Maybe we get hurt. Maybe, you know, uh, the fishing hook gets caught in our hand. It doesn't matter. We're going to realize that we're not the best sailors, that it's difficult being out there in the deep. The sea exposes this. It's like that captain and Jaws, he took Roy Scheider out to hunt Jaws. He knew how difficult things were. But still he went out there, even though he got eaten by the shark. But that's the risk you take. But it's not easy being out there on the sea. And so when we go deeper in prayer, we're going to encounter some rough times. And the Lord is going to make us face our weakness not only in our prayer, by exposing some of our wounds, some of our sin, some things from the past, some things we struggle with now. Father Jacques Philippe describes it as prayer as we go deeper into the well, all of a sudden we have these leaves and this junk that has to come up before we get to the clean water. It's a process of purification, of coming to terms with who we are as humans. To know what we can do and we can't do what our limitations are what our gifts are we're not perfect but the lord still loves us even though we may not be captain ahab the lord still put us in command of our ship he still asks us to go out into the deep and he's given us what we need that he trusts us he trusts us with these things so often we don't trust ourselves But indeed, if we're out there going in our prayer life, even though we feel that we can't do it, that we're sinning, that we're falling, that ship is constantly turning over, that we're constantly getting bitten by the shark, don't give up. The Lord is still there watching and guiding you along the way. It's what we talked about, the way of spiritual childhood. What makes you a good ship captain is you know you're not perfect. You know that you're going to make mistakes and you're willing to admit it. We talked about that a few weeks ago in a homily. Many of you may have heard about the founder of Loris, Jean Vanier. He was considered to be this really holy guy. The next Mother Teresa. Come to find out, he abused a lot of the women who he was involved with as spiritual director. And so people say, well, if this guy's not holy. Who's holy? What's the sign of holiness? The true sign of holiness is the person who knows that they're weak and fallen and can admit it to everybody and knows they need God's grace, who can admit, yeah, I'm going out into the deep and I really don't know what I'm doing, but I want to find the Lord. I wanna be with with him, and so trusting in his guidance and his strength. And the more that we go into the deep, the more we're gonna realize how we can't do it ourselves and we need the Lord's strength. And then finally, we are going to get tired and weary. At the end of the day, we're lost, we're broken. We feel like we don't want to go anymore. And that's where prayer really can become a place of rest. Where even though we feel sinful and lost, to be able to go and just sit. And sometimes it takes going out into the deep and really, really struggling and failing for us to really realize the importance of prayer is letting the Lord simply love us or letting others love us. That prayer becomes a place where we can go worn out, beaten, and bloody, feeling ashamed, and just know that we can be and the Lord's gonna love us as we are and through that prayer is going to transform us. But also, as we go out into the deep and ministering to others and loving others and bringing the message of Christ, we realize that we, not only in prayer, but in other people, we need a place to rest. We need a home, whether it be a physical place or a heart or a relationship where we can be received. And if we're so busy pouring out into other people and serving, we need people to pour out into us to be able to receive us. And that's why, so often, deep calls upon deep. That we see great friendships among the saints because they both are called out into the deep and their hearts resonate with each other. And so often, a person who goes deep in prayer and really is committed to living a holy life looks around and says, I'm out in here the deep by myself, All those other people are boogie boarding and most people are sitting around drinking their Mai Tais on the beach and getting a suntan. They need to be received, but yet there are others on that journey too, and so be able to have that vulnerability to not only rest in prayer with Christ, but to be able to rest in Christ and the heart and the lives and the community of other people the Lord puts into our lives. There are other people with vast mansions of a heart that want to explore our own heart that we can give ourselves to and so that we can be supported as we go out into the deep. And so, wrapping this up is one last point. is that As I said, we're not just called out to go into the deep to drown or to wander for many, many years or to end up being castaways. There's a port we're going to we believe that port is heaven and it's the virtue of hope, the virtue of the homo viator, the man along the way that says that even though I don't know where this port is exactly, I don't know when I'm going to get there, I know we're going through some struggles, that the Lord is going to get me there. Hope's not a a false optimism that things are going to go great in the world, that we're going to have control of our reality, but that ultimately the Lord is going to bring our ship into dock. And that dock is in the next life, that heaven is our destination, where ultimately heaven is nothing more than allowing ourselves to be loved by God, to participate in the very exchange of love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so often we don't think of that, but we need to. So whenever we're going out in the deep and we're weary and we feel lost and bedraggled and wounded, let's make that exercise of hope to say, Lord, I know one day all of this is gonna be done and my ship is going to be in your, the dock and I will be able to rest for all of eternity with you and experiencing your love and being able to give that love back to you and to all of the saints in heaven because we'll all be connected. And so while we are on this journey, let us keep our eyes focused on our destination. But not only that we need to get there, but we're called to call and lead other ships with us. Those who are going out into the deep and calling the people on the beach and the shallows to come out to on this great adventure of prayer and spiritual childhood and of learning to be with the Lord, to know his love, to share it and give it back to him in a loving reciprocal relationship. What we're going to experience in heaven, we need to experience now. Yes, we receive the love of the Lord, but we're also called to give it back. The gaze goes both ways. There is a reciprocity. But he's the one who loves first. He's the one who calls us deeper. And as we learn to experience his love and give love back to him, it pulls us even further in our desire to be with him in heaven to see him in the eternal kingdom and to be able to bring others with us. And so even though we can say our mission is sort of wrapping up, I want to give you a little homework, something to think about, something to take away from this talk. First of all, where are you? Are you in the condos? Are you in the beach? Are you in the shallows? Are you in the deep? And if you're not in the deep, do you desire to go there? And if you desire to go there but are scared, what's holding you back? What's stopping you from committing to a life of real prayer, scheduling it? What's committing you to getting involved in your faith, of sharing that faith with other people? Number two, are you living in the Father's gaze? Do you believe that, yes, even though you're out in the deep, the Lord is watching and guiding? Make that act of trust. Make that act of faith. And third and finally, the act of hope are we keeping heaven in our sight? Do we desire to be in heaven, to be with the Lord and to bring others? The more we commit to deep prayer life, the more the Lord is gonna pour his love into us and we're gonna want to respond in love and to be able to move towards heaven, to be with him for eternity. So everybody out there, I hope we've made some great eye contact with you. The camera up there on the wall for the past three days. Really, really am very, very blessed and thankful to be given this opportunity. I wish the church could be full, but yet we're ministering to, and hopefully we've seen uh, thousands of people have tuned in and listened. Really appreciate it. Know that I'm praying for you, and please pray for me. Pray for Father Brady and Father Pete and all the good work they do here. I'll give you a final blessing and we're going to let Father come up and make a few announcements. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace and put out into the deep.
0: What a timely and pertinent message. Uh, Thank you, Father Sibley, for your willingness to come and to give this mission under these circumstances. I know a round of applause from our congregation and the thousands that are out there listening. Can you hear you guys? I didn't didn't know this went both ways. A few messages, just a few comments as we wrap up the mission. But again, again, our thanks to Father Sibley. Like I said, a timely and pertinent uh, message for us today. And as we move forward, you know, there are two things I think we need as we look at what we're being faced with over the next few weeks, most likely. You know, no prediction is perfect, but as we think of what we're looking at over the next few weeks, I think our first thing is we have to have the proper image of God and understanding that at first was God's love, then came sin, then came suffering, and now we're back to God's love. And so we have to have that proper image of him, and then, as Father Sibley taught us this week, to make sure that we have that relationship with him in our prayer, where we can be sturdy in our faith, know of that love, know that he has our back, and so last year, our mission was on the nature of suffering. Uh, it may be good for you all to go back and take a look at that, as well as combining that with the prayer mission we had this week. Both things will serve us well in the coming weeks, and as I said, it looks like it's going to be more difficult uh, before it gets better. In that light, just a few household, housekeeping notes uh, regarding what we're going to be doing over the next week or two. Uh, first, we've got a lot of call for calls about palms the reason why we had not made any announcement is because we did not know whether we would get them Uh, they were held up in transit Uh, there are a lot of other things that are being shipped that are more important and uh, I I think that's legitimate Um, but they did arrive today and so we will do the blessing of the palms and they will be available for uh, to pick up in in the plaza we're going to put baskets out uh, Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. and then Sunday morning from 10 until noon And so if you would like your palms, you can come and get them. We will hold some back for those of you who aren't able to make it, who can't get out. And you can certainly pick them up after Easter when things are hopefully restored uh, to normal. And so we will have palms that this will be published on the internet uh, in the coming days. Secondly, confessions will end on Saturday. We'll have our regular schedules we've had for the last few weeks, uh, tomorrow night and Friday night, five to seven, and then Saturday from three to five. After that, we will not have uh, public confessions until after Easter. You know, last Sunday we spoke about God and and confession, and I would be the last person in the world to discourage going to confession. Uh, but at the same time, uh, this is a this is a time and a place where uh, we have to use good prudence. And so, many of you have made your confession during Lent already. If you had, I would encourage you to to let that be, so to speak. You've made your Lenten confession and those of you who are vulnerable, or have symptoms, uh, certainly please stay home. Do it out of an act of charity. Our God is not a gotcha God. Look at the homily last Sunday when I spoke about the fact that make an act of perfect contrition, God will understand that you're kind of on the deserted island right now, and if we hope anything would happen that you will be just fine. Uh, But I know as Catholics, a lot of us do that. What's the last chance we can come? And if that happens, we'll have to shut the church doors. And so we will have confessions as usual until Saturday, and then during Holy Week, we will need to go ahead and shut the church down from public exposition, both so that neither myself nor Father Pete end up getting quarantined. And so a reminder, maybe listen to the homily last Sunday, and certainly, you know, use good prudence and good sense. Everybody uh, in the civic realm who is giving advice says the better we are at social distancing and having common sense, the sooner this will all be over. Uh, lastly, the church will be open as usual uh, Friday, uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and then Monday and Tuesday. After Tuesday, the church will be closed until after Easter Sunday. That gives us an opportunity to work in the church without the public being present in order to prepare for the Triduum liturgies. We certainly look forward to having those for you. We are working on what we are able to do both in scheduling and in music. Please stay tuned. The schedule will change a little bit. The bishop has given us uh, permission to to maybe do the Easter Vigil a little earlier. Uh, We'll also probably move the, the Good Friday Uh, time of the service to 3 p.m., but that will all be published sometime this weekend. So as always, you know, please stay tuned and we will certainly get the information out in as timely a manner as we can. Thanks again to Father Sibley for being here. We pray that you will be kept safe and if we let us all just bow our heads and pray for God's blessing as we end our parish mission. May the Lord be with you to protect you. May he guide you and give you strength. May he watch over you, keep you in his care, and bless you with his peace. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Godspeed, stay safe.